0: Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective Podcast. I'm Mike Siciliano. I'm here once again continuing our Yard of Books series with our head of schools, Rod Gilbert. Rod. Good to have you back on as always. Glad, glad to be here. Thank so today you. we have an absolute classic. Yes. Really in our yard of books it makes up like a foot and it beca- should <laughs> because it's a lot of books. Yes. Uh, the yes. Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. And uh, I know it's a book that that you've read through multiple times, correct, including again. Actually recently. that's not true. That's not true. No. I'm lying at the start of the podcast. You are. You have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So yeah. when's the when's the the first time you read through the Chronicles of this Narnia? This summer. Okay. i had never read through the whole series. Okay. Awesome, yeah. and and you just finished it when? Last night at okay. 9 o'clock. Okay, so this yeah. is fresh in your head. Yes. I last finished it at least 15 years ago, wow. so we're totally on an even playing field oh, here. Oh, perfect. That's, I'm going to quiz you right from the start. Oh, boy. Okay, um, and and on top of that, um, you've enjoyed this so much. Loved it. You actually Loved gave it. away a set. I did. Okay, did you know that I also recently gave away a set? No, I did not know that. So we were recently at this meeting, and and you said, who's got the nearest birthday? Right and uh, and i shouted out hey, John Wallace's birthday is tomorrow. So I gave John, this set right here is John's. So I later found out that Pamela Odin was in the process of raising her hand. For her birthday. Which is the same day. Yeah, I know. And I shouted out John Wallace, and you gave the book to John Wallace. (laughs) And I felt a little bad about that. So I got her a set too. Good for you. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll charge the school. So you gave away two sets. No, no, it's out of your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what is it about the Chronicles of Narnia that that to you is like, this has got to be in your yard of books? At the core of it, I would say it is perfectly childlike
1: and there's so many deep uh, lessons to be learned. There's something beautiful just like the parables of Jesus Christ that they're very simple lessons and yet they're...
0: Amazingly profound, and C.S. Lewis did a, did such a great job of that. So, and that that process with C.S. Lewis, I know mm-hmm. that's something you've also talked about a yeah. lot here. I mean, how did yeah. he write these? What's unique? Well,
1: about that? C- C.S. Lewis, by the way, didn't become a Christian till his mid thirties. He was a raging atheist uh, as a professor, and uh, in England, and then over time, found Christ or Christ found him, as he calls it. And one of his best friends was J.R.R. Tolkien, which everyone knows wrote, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, uh, every week, uh, Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis and J.R. R. Tolkien and a couple of other friends would get together and share each other's stories that they were writing or scholarship for years and years and years. They, they met once a week. And, uh, so from those meetings, they, they actually called themselves the inklings, hmm. which means they barely had an inkling about anything. They were very humble. And um, from those weekly meetings, our whole world culture has benefited from Narnia yep. and Middle Earth and yeah. uh,
0: Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And uh, we, ha- we have them to thank for that. Okay. So, and and uh, just to remind our listeners, viewers, I guess they're both now, now that we have these <laughs> cameras in here. Oh, uh, uh, we actually have a studio audience do. watching us. We have an audience today. <laughs> For the well, first like them time, the price is right or something. yeah. Did they do they have to clap? Was that part of the rules? I don't like, know. is it just purely for our, hate our ego hate or themselves? what? No, they. Don't, uh, yeah. So if if it were someone's first time listening or watching sure. today, this is not the first C.S. Lewis book we've talked about. No, no, we actually so,
1: did uh, the Screw Tape Letters with Mister Kim. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis books, much harder to read, really written for high school students or adults. Okay, that's yeah. a good segue. So, are these children's books? Oh my gosh, yes. In fact. Uh, I received these as a set in fifth grade under the Christmas tree. And I still have one left from that set way back then. It's over on the other shelf. And um, uh, I I read the first two books and then moved on with life. Probably went back outside and rode my go-kart or something as a kid. You had a go-kart?
0: Oh yeah. That's Did a it go-kart that's as a different kid? story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My
1: mom didn't know about it. My dad bought it, brought it home, we cranked it up and then mom found out about
0: it. Kid but, me is very jealous of that. Yeah.
1: Cuz my mom was like no go-karts. Yeah, we crashed and we get bloody and then the first thing my brother and I it was a two-seater. Yeah. So we flipped it all the time and uh the first thing we would say as we're coming out pulling it
0: off of us was don't tell mom. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this could actually fit in one of C.S. Lewis's stories. It, it could. But anyway, could. we yeah. digress. Yeah. So so you have yeah. a copy as a kid. You read the first couple. Put it away. Mo- moved on. I had no idea that there was any uh,
1: theological underpinnings as hmm. a Christian. I read uh, this one, the, the most famous, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, as a fifth grade child and just thought it was a really cool story.
0: Which, by the way, everyone thinks that's the first book.
1: That's right, it's not. It's book number two. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the
1: Magician's Nephew is the prequel to it all. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now is this like a Star Wars thing where you where like if no if someone has not read any of these like the age old question, do uh, you start Star Wars, do you start with Episode One or Episode Four? Like I, Narnia, do you start with Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe or do you start with Magician's nephew? I,
1: I would quote John Wallace on this. Okay. Since I gave him the copy, uh, this whole set a week or two ago, ask him the same question. And he actually put it to a vote with his children, and they talked about it. And uh, they started with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe okay. because it's so captivatingly beautiful. And it gives you so many sub-stories of what's going to unpack the rest of it. And and you can, th- those children will come back and read The Mnuchin's Nephew and understand where the yeah. Narnia came from. But uh, I, I thought, as a father, I thought John made a, a wise choice. Yeah. Okay. C.S. Lewis preferred the magician's nephew
0: first. Okay, and That's you, why this set has book one. Did he write nephew. the magician's nephew first? I, I actually have no idea. I, okay. I don't know any of the order of it. So I think, by the way, in Star Wars, the right answer is you start with episode four you watch them in the episode I didn't know released. there was anything before that oh yeah well the prequels a lot of people like to forget but anyway oh we won't God. we won't go charge there. our
1: beings drove me crazy yeah. yeah yeah let me ask you this which which is your favorite Star Wars oh, this, I'm gonna a hard judge question. you um, I'm judging so, you. okay I mean you're the, debating this in your head well the Maybe Empire
0: Strikes Back is really good to me I really enjoy the Empire okay, Strikes Back well, you get Back. points for that okay good yeah. um, I I know that the so that's that's probably my favorite. Okay, that's, favorite. That, that's mine too. Um, I will say I really like the new ones. I do too. And and a lot of people too. are critical of of the last, especially episode eight, the middle one of yeah, the new ones. Yeah. But I love them. I like all three of them.
1: Well, the horses running on the plane, uh, the the spaceship is a little weird. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. But uh, how can we say and, anything
0: and, about Star Wars is weird? It's all I know, weird.
1: Solo was a wreck from the beginning. The yeah. producers messed it up. But yeah. But, um, Rogue One's really
0: good, though. Yeah,
1: I, I like Rogue One. Yeah,
0: yeah. okay. Um, so, back to Narnia. Yeah, let's get back to the other fantasy series that we're talking about. Let me just add this to it: the reason that you and I are talking about Star Wars and uh,
1: many other science fiction books, like the sort of sort of Shannara, um, there, um, anyways, there are many science fiction pieces. The genre of fantasy literature actually. Tolkien is the fountainhead that yeah. started it. Yeah. And he started it by doing a scholarly paper on an ancient work called Beowulf. Yeah. And it was called uh, something like Our Monster Beowulf or something like that. And he wrote about it in such a way that caused people to want to mm-hmm. study it more. And now it's a part of our Western canon. And uh, But his work in... Um, with Lord of the Rings and a little and less so Narnia is why we have science fiction and fantasy sections in Barnes and Noble okay, so they're, what, they're the fountainhead
0: so what is it about this genre that we love so much and that even a, a believer like C.S. Lewis who's written all kinds of things including yeah, yeah, yeah. you know non-fiction near Christianity right and, I mean yeah. Uh, apologetic type stuff, oh, yeah. and Sick yet stuff. he probably spent more time on this series, yeah. right? Yeah. So what is it about fantasy that as believers is it can be powerful? Well, I I, I think
1: that uh, to come to the kingdom of Christ, you have to do it as a child's heart. Hmm. And Jesus made that real clear. And I think that's why I talked more in stories than in theology. For every sentence of theological thickness in the Book of Romans, we have many more stories that Jesus told to to soften our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And so I think stories end up allowing our imagination to fill in some of the gaps. And I think they captivate our heart. And I think from a conversion experience and our own whole walk of holiness in life is really, it's more about the heart than the head.
0: Mm. Yeah. And, uh, so I it,
1: think stories make it happen.
0: And it, yeah. it's almost like the, the nonfiction stuff. We have so many inputs and in life experiences that yeah. we can't in a way, suspend our, our subjectivity, but like that's the right. fantasy world, it, we can suspend all of that and just get to the heart of of what the message is. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: And and I think we are. It's it's affectionate. I think I think the writers that do this well are are uh, like tenderizing our own hearts toward Christ. I mean, most of these books here theology, history, economics. I mean, that's my background, and uh, but they're important for me to know. Uh, but when it comes to really what
0: what guides my heart, it's really more stories yeah. than it is a, yeah. a thick book. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of your favorite oh, excerpts or pieces? You know, I, I'd say no spoilers, but we've been down this road enough that I'm going to yeah. say no spoilers and you're going yeah, to spoil something anyway. So but, what uh, what what are some, some only mild spoilers well, uh, that stand out to you? Well, I would start with this. I, I called my adult children
1: a few weeks ago and told him I was reading through it. And Ryan remembers Angie reading it to him at least two or three times. And they would listen to it on CDs and he didn't remember all the little stories, but he immediately could give the theme of a couple of the books. Like I told him I was in the, the, the horse and his boy and he went, Oh my gosh, dad, you're going to love that because, and then he gave me some of the key themes. Yeah. And so we forget. We we can't keep up with every little story, but it's the themes of each book that sort of stand out. And yeah. So
0: you mentioned the horse and his boy. I mean, there's one that, yeah. that you've shared with me that has resonated with me quite a bit. Yeah. I, okay. So
1: uh, I I try my best as an adult reader to behave like a child reading it. Otherwise, I'm reading it like a theologian trying to interpret it. So it, I know this sounds weird, but I try to just read it for the purity of the story. And so what happens oftentimes is I get tricked because I'm in a childlike reading state. <laughs> so, like, I was 100 pages into the book before, and I think Hannah may have mentioned this to me in the hall, but the, the, no book makes any sense to call it The Horse and His Boy.
0: Wow, I like, had never picked I had up on that. that. My, My mind is blown a little bit right now. I'd
1: seen the title and yeah. there's this horse, and there's the boy, and then there's this girl that he meets, and they're on a grand adventure. But like I was like a hundred pages in before I realized the horse I knew is the talking horse from Narnia. Right. But actually, the boy belongs to the horse. Yeah. And I, and I thought, oh, that's why the title's that way. <laughs> and uh, there have been many aha moments for me, and and I tell Angie, and she looks at me like, uh, yeah, that's adults know that already you know that well i didn't i didn't either yeah but i think so uh so you asked me for one particular in in this particular i have a lot of notes on on it but just i was just so uh profoundly influenced by it these two children and their talking horses are racing through the night they've got to get to a castle to warn people about some bad thing and as they're racing through the night they're exhausted their talking horses are exhausted. They can't go any further, but they have to get there in order to warn the castle about the bad guys coming from somewhere else. I don't remember. And if they don't get there, there will be peril in the castle. Okay. So about the time that they just give up in the dark at night and the horses are exhausted, a beast starts chasing them in the middle of the night and all they hear are these heavy footprints. And then at one point, uh, this beast actually starts clawing at the girl, and uh, actually claws and scratches the girl's leg and harms the horse that she's on. Like it is, it's very scary. It's a a true wound, a physical wound. And the result of that was they ran faster than they could have ever possibly thought they could run. And they made it to the castle in time. And so in my childlike state, I'm like, wow, that was awful that that happened that way because they almost died, right? And about five chapters later, This is where the, you know, my, maybe I'm just not good at foreshadowing. I'm just not smart (laughs) enough for it. But about five chapters later, Aslan, who is the Christ figure, Lion. In the whole series. In the whole series. He's the main character. He explains to these two children and to their talking horses that it was he who chased them. And he said, it was I who chased you in the dark at night. It was I who actually physically wounded you and had you not endured some scarring and the difficulties, you would not have been prepared for the next battles. And I thought, uh, C.S. Lewis, I I don't, I don't want to learn lessons with scarring. I I think I read in the summer, hoping to learn lessons when no one's watching me. And, uh, but I think usually the way sanctification works is we learn lessons by being wounded by the spirit of Christ and recovering. And I just, I just put
0: the book down. I, like, ah, I didn't see that coming. The, the, the painful truths are the hardest ones, and yeah. the ones we remember the most sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's the trauma of the love of the Holy Spirit coming after us. Yeah. And uh, so, I thought, wow, I don't, I don't know if I would have picked up on that as a fifth grader, but as an adult, I've been through enough chases in the dark of the night. Yeah. That have prepared me for something else. And then, so, well, okay, all right,
0: Louis, I get it. You mentioned okay. Aslan being the Christ figure throughout. Yeah. Um, what What He's is amazing. it about the character of Aslan that has oh. helped you better understand Jesus?
1: Okay, so most times when he appears, they're frightened. Kind of like every time an angel appears, the angel says, don't be afraid. Yeah. It's because right. it's frightening. Right. And uh, so every almost every single time that Aslan shows up, and I've read them all since July 20th. So I've, I've read them all in the last 45 days. Um, Almost every time he shows up, he pretty quickly lays down in repose and puts his paws like this and leans and everybody crowds him Mm -hmm. and they touch his mane and they uh, are fearfully in love with him. And they, he allows them to get into perfect repose. Even someone that I thought didn't understand Aslan, even, even in the book last night. He didn't fully understand what he was doing, but he was so compelled by the approachability of Aslan, and and he was actually, he had just won the battle. Even that guy in his conversion moment was in perfect peace. And the first thing he did was he lunged onto the mane of uh, Aslan, and Aslan just let him snuggle up to him, and I thought, to be creator of the whole universe and get And to be that approachable is really the Christ figure. I mean, you know, when I think about working at a school and how we um, teach children about leadership and mentorship, um, it it all goes back to mommies knew in the first century that Jesus had just cast out demons or had performed other miracles or um, had done all kinds of things and they were crowding him. But when the mommies had their children and their was mm-hmm. they would want to put their children into his lap because he was approachable too
0: yeah
1: and but, anyway asland asland that to me stood out in the last month maybe maybe i needed to hear that personally oh. yeah
0: well the paradoxical nature of jesus in in so many ways right how can you be terrified of something and yet yeah. so drawn to it at the same time yeah um that's interesting. You're making me want to go back and read these
1: again, Rob. Well, I, I think what you do is you do what your friend John Wallace is doing. And, Re- read it to my kids. Yeah, just either that or you and your wife take turns reading it. I mean, Angie was always the outside reader, and yeah. I would I would hear it. But um, it, it, there is something about read-alouds. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And th- this one is so approachable with children. Is
0: there an you know? age that you would say that kids are ready for the story? You
1: know, I, I don't know. I, I think that because you can, you can read them out loud to – Six, seven, eight-year-olds, and if there is a frightening part of the battle, it's not like it's gruesome. Yeah. It's not like the right. um, the movie Three Hundred. <laughs> it's not a it's not a Quentin Tarantino bloodfest. Is it's that
0: not, a is that a critique of the book? Like uh, you know, C.S. No, S. Lewis, no, no, if you if no, you would have thrown in you know, no, some... I,
1: I don't. I wouldn't want it to be a you know bloodthirsty. Quentin Tarantino. Someone
0: that. listening is like, let's do a remake and let's do a Quentin Tarantino oh, version. God. Uh, of- <laughs> please, please don't do that. But I, I think that any mother and father would
1: make the judgment call on it. But I, I would say any child could hear it read out loud. And some of them, some of the books are just more entertaining than others. Some of them yeah. get slow. Like, um, the, um, which one was it? Oh, The, the Silver chair. chair. I finished about two weeks ago. I mean just the cover of it's gloomy. Mm. And yeah. so I Angie told me that's going to be your least favorite I, I'm thinking because it's so dark. And I I think I think this may have actually been my favorite.
0: Well, I and you 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 shared, shared another little vignette from that one about with, being at the top of the top of the mountain and uh, tell, remind it, me I have uh, done it, so many it, things. it had to do with um, Kind of finding your, your place of calm amidst all of the, the chaos. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah for me. I mean, it's uh,
1: leading a school in a COVID era is it's complicated. It's um, uh, theologians call it. We're often in liminal space where we mm-hmm. just want things to get back to normal, and sometimes things heartache lasts longer than we would want. we we all go through different grieving processes with this uh, COVID age, and uh, but at the heart of it, we we know that we know the end of the story. And so there were parts of that book that were gloomy and tiring. And the, the kids were like in this underworld for a while. And they would meet these underworld people. and They would have to run from them. Or they got put in a boat in the underworld. And But uh, at some point, there was this glimmer of light. And, and they were able to get out. And uh, I, maybe that I liked it, reading it during COVID. More, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Maybe in you know two years, I'll read it all again. I won't like it as much. <laughs> but, but that's kind of the beauty of a good book or a good yeah. series is that it's in, in, in many ways, it feels like this is written for different people in different phases. Yeah. I, I, I think so. And, and it's even so. with, like you mentioned, reading it to kids, like I'll, I'll probably read, start reading this to my daughter pretty soon. My oldest one is six. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think and she'll she, enjoy it. Yeah. And she'll miss half of it. And then she'll come she back will... in 15 years and read it again and understand, but you know, e- so much more of it. E- right?
1: Even, even the sibling rivalries between, uh, was it um, Peter, Edward? Well, that will hit home pretty Lucy, quick for us. Susan, so. <laughs> I mean, they're normal siblings. They're normal siblings, so yeah. they they bicker. They're very judgmental on each other. They're more forgiving to outsiders. Yeah, and so the whole sibling sort of snipping is in all seven books. And it, and 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 that's that's the beauty of literature too for children to actually see the not so good parts of themselves when they're when they're sniping or. You know, yeah. being too critical of their sibling, Right. It, it's you know, is it Susan and is it Susan and Lucy? Yeah, they they
0: kind of go at as sisters from time to time, and yeah, we got some of that in our house right now. No, you got any tips on that? How do you stop that from happening?
1: I I, <laughs> <laughs> I had a boy and a girl, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so one other part of these books, I mean, there's, there's a lot of characters who are sort of you know already all in on Aslan and who he is from the get-go, yeah. Um, yeah. as is true with our faith, right? Um, but there are others who are maybe more skeptical, and yeah. I think there's a conversion experience that you've talked about yeah. that stands out to you in these books.
1: So uh, in the opening of um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is also one of the movies, it's one of the four Disney movies, uh, Eustace Scrub. Gets pulled into Narnia, which what appears to be by accident, and he, he, his name is used to Scrub, and the author says, and he had that name for a reason. <laughs> I mean, he was a pain. He was very judgmental. He kept a journal on everybody's uh, bad points. Wow. In a sort of lawyer sort of way. I mean, he was just a cruel, cruel smart child. Combine cruelty with intelligence, yeah. you have a really damaging person, and yeah. so. Uh, he gets pulled in to Narnia, and for a lot of the part of it, I, I almost tried to skip pages where he was talking because he reminded me of kids that picked on me when I was in grade school. And, um, but at one point, and it, it, it's not a spoil. This is a spoiler, but you'll get it. Some spoilers are worth it. He, he gets his just reward, and he gets turned into a hideous, awful dragon, fire-breathing dragon on one of the islands. And he's miserable and he's got gold and jewels all around him, like dragons
0: do. Where's and, the bad uh, part? Fire breathing dragon, yeah, yeah. Golden jewels? Like, I'm he, in. He realized while he was a dragon that what he really wanted in life was friendship. It's hard, hard when so you're a dragon.
1: He showed up and uh, they tried to kill him. Why? Because he couldn't talk and he was yeah, he's flying in and when he's talking, his fine. So his friends tried to kill him. And so. Um, what C.S. Lewis does in about eight pages, you see Eustace go from just one of the worst, most cruel kids I've ever read about to um, being uh, so powerful that he could get anything he wants. And he realizes that the top of power is really loneliness and heartache. And so we actually get to watch his conversion to being a follower of Aslan. And I, I promise you, it will bring you and your children to tears. Like. I was, I knew it was coming because Angie had told me about it, and um, he had to, he had to take his claws as a dragon and physically rip the portions of the dragon skin and um, scales mm-hmm. off of his body, and he was bleeding and hurting, it was like... So that's sanctification the, process Yeah, the Yeah, the conversion experience, he couldn't get, he was trying to get all the scales off, in his conversion experience, and he couldn't do it. Aslan shows up and begins ripping Ugh. the old self off of him, and it's awful. It's it's heart wrenching, and uh, and then he's reformed or born again. It's a born again moment into a new boy, and uh, it's uh, frighteningly scary. To see. he had his his need for Christ or Aslan was in an exterior sort of way where you could see it and we actually need Christ and most people really don't know just how desperate we really need Christ we we keep a lot of our brokenness deep on the inside and and so to see it physically manifested it it was truly frightening and I would say Disney you know, Disney did the first four movies. They're not going to do any more for various reasons, but um, I watched all the movies this summer, too. Do, do you Wayfords. recommend the movies? Yeah, I think you okay. watch them all. I think they. Yeah. I, I loved all four of them on their own merit. Movies have to take license. They yeah. do take license. They should take license, and, and uh, I think they're very entertaining. They downplay it as a spiritual conversion sure. because yeah. it's Disney. Right. You, know, you know, I'll give them that. But... They do a pretty good job of just showing how miserable and awful uh, Eustace was as his dragon. And when he is converted, it's so beautifully clear. There was a moment in the movie that I thought, oh, that's like that Forrest Gump moment where Lieutenant Dang looks at Forrest <laughs> on the boat. Remember the yeah. bubblegum shrimp? Mm-hmm. And he goes, Forrest? Forrest? And Forrest looks at him. Yeah, you, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dang, do you remember the scene? And he just looks at him and the sun shining. And then uh, Lieutenant Dang just dives into the water, yeah. legless, as a soldier. Yeah. And there was, it, it was the, it was as close as the Forrest Gump producers could come to making peace. Yeah.
0: It was almost uh, like a, I'm not mad you saved me anymore. Yeah,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm no longer mad at God. Alert. And yeah. yeah, but the, I, when he, when the when I saw used this, I thought, well, that's Disney putting into a childlike version what I experienced in watching the Forrest Gump moment. Yeah. I thought that that's not that bad. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I'd
0: recommend the movie. All right, so I've got seven books and four movies. You just gave yeah. me entertainment for like three months. It's fine. It's a gift. It's fine. So, uh,
1: let me just say, one, this is one thing that um, I have friends that have read Narnia that always talk about this mouse named Reepicheep. Do you okay. remember that? Character? I don't remember that character. Okay, so I had friends in Austin that just thought he was the, the best superhero of all sh- like of all things. And they which would books to- is he in? Uh, some. Okay, uh, so, so multiple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he appears when you wouldn't expect it. And uh, there are, anyways, there's. I had friends that like wanted me to like, one of them said, let's just change the mascot
0: name of our school to Reba Jeep. Or, <laughs>
1: I was like, that's probably not. Maybe
0: we it. could start with you dressing up. Like I, I like, don't know if I don't know if I'm worthy. To do I, that, I can't you know? think of no one more worthy. Well, I mean, hey, you brought you're, this up, your kiss up. So, so but the, yeah, I, I own way. that. I own that with pride. Yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. who knows me knows that. <laughs> so, but I always say there's something about Reba Cheap
1: that I think children will go, oh my gosh, I'm like him. Hmm. I I think children could see, little children could see Reba Cheap as the ultimate hero. And I think that's what, one of my friends that always would say this to me he had five little children that um, that we were helping him raise he had his kids at the school and yeah. so and now that I've read the books I go oh that's why my friend wanted wanted me to know Reba as
0: well as his five little children I don't know and, if Santa uh, Fe I'm Christian gonna... Reba has the same
1: it doesn't ring, have the same flair but, but I do, well, Eagles show up in the Narnia series okay. I mean they become the heroes just like they of do of course just like they do in, the, in uh, the Lord of the Rings yeah yeah I mean they show up and yeah. you know, they, they rescue Frodo and Sam from the lava and all that And uh, But, uh, yeah, eagles show up in a profound way in some of the books. So we'll we'll just, I think that we just keep it as Santa Fe eagles, if it's okay with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll think about it, but I'll let you know what I decide. (laughs) All right. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Uh, This has been fun, as always. Uh, Thank you so much for your insights, Rod. Thank you to our listeners and viewers and our live studio audience. For the first time. Uh, another episode of Eagle Perspective Podcast. If this is your first one, uh, feel free to check out our other episodes, uh, both of our Yard of book series and also some other topics that we've discussed with a lot of guests on campus. You can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, other places where podcasts are available. We will be back soon with another episode, and we look forward to seeing you then.